professionals and teams to realize that making a change impacts me, making a difference impacts others, and making history impacts the world. I'm here with your host, Junior Gutierrez. Hard Hat Uncovered. Welcome back, everybody, to Hard Hat Uncovered. We're coming to you from the Hard Hat Uncovered studios in Alexandria, Virginia. Welcome back, Lieutenant Oates. Thanks. Glad to be back. Welcome back, Mr. Hipple. What's going on, fellas? Okay, so this is part two to our silico, uh, silica, <laughs> I'm going to say silicosis series, yeah, yeah. to our silica series. And uh, if, you, if you haven't listened into part one, be sure you tuned in, because uh, we talked about just the basics of it. You know, what is silica? Where can it be found? The, the new rule uh, when it comes to OSHA, some of the standards and where you can find it at when it comes to ISO and uh, the OSHA general industry and the construction industry so we made it through the medical surveillance program uh, that is required by OSHA and we were just about to get into the into the weeds here for the OSHA table one that has been rolled out so yeah we I know we left you guys right on the edge of your seats I'm with telling some you seriously cool riveting information I guarantee there's some people out there missing some nails now they're gonna chew them all off waiting yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dylan, why don't you take it away with the table one? Okay, guys. So uh, first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about the different options when it comes to protecting ourselves and uh, uh, our, our workers. So the easiest way to comply with the new OSHA silica requirements is OSHA's table one. So what OSHA table one is, it basically lists 18 common construction activities and gives you a, a guideline on how to be in compliance with, with OSHA and gives you a guideline on how to reduce your workers' exposure to silica. So it mainly uses two, two methods, um, a, a wet method and a vacuum method, but it's a, it's a great tool to use. Um, I've used it on, on multiple occasions. Um, construction sites that I've been a part of, it's, you know, been the, the easiest way to comply. So some of the examples on OSHA's Table 1, um, it'll give you uh, the equipment or a task. So for example, it says, you know, stationary masonry saws. So we know that's a, you know, a saw used to cut the CMUs or, or blocks or bricks. Um, then it gives you the, the control method. So the control method for this is use a saw equipped with integrated water delivery system that continuously feeds water to the blade. So the key part there was what? integrated right mm -hmm. so it's a a system that has a integrated water system not my fellow co-worker standing behind me spraying a hose so it's integrated so i can't throw water balloons at the saw while you're cutting it no no it ain't, ain't gonna work <laughs> um and then the other part of the control method is operate and maintain tool in accordance with manufacturer's instructions to minimize dust. So basically, you have to use the tool as it was designed by the manufacturer, and you have to use it with an integrated water delivery system. If you do this, you do not have to have respiratory protection. So that's how Table 1 works. It lists those three things, the equipment or task, so stationary masonry saw, the control method, so integrated water, and then the required respiratory protection for this four-hour shift, none. More than four-hour shift, none. 
So I'm going to go down um, and, and give you an example of one that you would actually need a respir respirator with. Um, and it's going to be for, if I can remember right, it's going to be uh, grinding concrete. So hand, hand, so the equipment or task is handheld grinders for mortar, mortar removal. So, you know, that's, we're using grinders to finish concrete. We're tuck pointing, we're, we're, you know, basically getting a final product on our concrete. The control method for that is you have to use a grinder with a commercially available shroud and dust collection system. So what's that mean? Does that mean I can go put a uh, shop back on the end of my vacuum? No, you got, you got, no, you got to go get something from a manufacturer that's commercially available. Uh, obviously, we got to maintain and operate the tool based on what the manufacturer says. And then also a dust collector must provide 25 cubic feet per mi minute. So CFM or greater airflow per inch of wheel diameter, blah, 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 blah. So th th these are all things wow. you are on, uh, on OSHA's table one. Now, now, and I talked about this uh, in part one of this series. But we're, we're dealing with, you just mentioned about that it must provide 25 CFM, you know, cubic feet per minute uh, or greater when it's uh, collecting the dust. Mm -hmm. This is where it is required to have something that is in this vacuum that is either a reverse flow or I'm going to change out the filter, manually, you know, uh, clean a, it out. A what, filter cleaning case. mechanism, right. yeah. So because... Once you get below that, that 25 CFM, then OSHA says, okay, well, you are no longer following table one. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and this is the easiest way to be in compliance. So the equipment and task was handheld grinders. The control method was uh, commercially available vacuum. Um, but there is still respiratory prote uh, protection required. So if you're doing this for less than a four-hour shift, you still have to use... A respir respirator with an APF of 10 so an assigned protection factor of 10 if you're gonna do this more than four hours then you have to use a respirator with an APF of 25 so you know right there even though you're using this um, commercially available shroud vacuum system to eliminate dust you are still required by table one to wear a respirator so there's a couple uh, tasks on here that are like that but there's 18 tasks on table one, and each one gives you specific guidelines on how to be in compliance and how to protect your workers. Yeah, <clears throat> and Dylan, I'm not sure if you mentioned this at the, at the beginning of this, or um, maybe I should have. So this table one only applies to the construction industry. Right. It does not apply to the general industry. It does not apply to maritime. Uh, this only is an option for the construction industry, uh, period. And so... Basically, what it comes down to is that there's, when you're talking about Table 1, though, there are um, two methods to limit the exposure, and that's the, the wet method or the vacuum method. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, so to, to make it cut and dry is that you're either going to use an integrated water system or you got to have a vacuum system, you know, that's, that's sucking up the dust, collecting the dust while you're working. Yeah, you know, and I mentioned integrated water system a, couple, a minute ago there. Um, something that I've noticed or observed on sites while I'm walking around is people will be saw cutting, you know, using a gasoline powered cutoff saw to, to break through asphalt concrete, pretty normal construction activity for road work. Um, and for their compliance, for their uh, silica exposure, 
they take a five-gallon bucket of water and drill some holes in it. So as it's as they're saw cutting, they have a bucket sitting next to them, letting water run. So is that an integrated water delivery system? Negative. No. No. That's, um, that, that's some some back alley engineering. Right. Is what that is. So that doesn't follow Table One. That doesn't meet Table One's requirements. So we talked about different options for being in compliance with standard. Um, Obviously, table one is is a good one, and like Junior said, it's only for construction, though. Another way we can do it is to do our due diligence and do our testing or and know what the exposures are. So for that specific example I just said, where this employee was using a bucket of water, you know, is that under the action level? It is that sufficient enough? I don't know. They, they have to provide the testing. They have to have that employee do that task wearing a cyclone dust monitor to see if that employee has was above the action level. Yeah, but when, when we're talking about this, this method here, we have to make sure that it is per the task. And so if any conditions change, so let's right. just say if we're out, out on, a, on a concrete slab doing this work, so we're, we're, you know, we're using the saw and we're, we're cutting, you know, we're using the mason saw and then we're, we're cutting through the, the slab and we might have tested and everything came out good. But let's take that same employee with that same saw and then now he's inside, maybe he's inside the basement of a building. Right. And he's cutting it makes it a big difference. It does make the, the airflow. You don't have that natural airflow anymore. Um, and now he's in a, you know, in a room that might be, you know, 10, you know, 10 by 10 by 10 or something like that. And now the exposure level has changed because the environment has changed, the conditions have changed. So the method that Dylan's talking about now, we're going to have to do some testing all over again. Mm-hmm. It's not going to apply in every scenario. So if any conditions change, we've got to test again. And, and I think that's where uh, you know employers are having a difficulty with this standard is if they do the, ha- do the testing, have an industrial hygienist come out and do this type of testing, they're assuming they're good you know, we uh, we had a guy drill some holes in concrete, and we tested, and he's fine. You know, what if the conditions change? What if you change drills? What if, you know, the size of the drill bit matters, right? right. You know, uh, a quarter inch and a half inch drill bit, or one's creating more dust than the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so just just talking about the the vacuum and the wet method again. So, in the vacuums, gotta have a HEPA filter. It's got to have the 25 CFM. It's got to have a mechanism in there that's going to be able to unclog the filter if it's getting clogged up. Or your procedure has to be to uh, periodically replace that filter. And then when it comes to the wet method, it's got to be an integrated water uh, water system that's uh, tied into the tool, not tied to the tool. Mm-hmm. That's tied into the tool by the manufacturer. It can't be a, a water hose. It can't be a squirt gun. can't be water <laughs> balloons. You know, it can't be anything like that. It has to be something integrated, you know, by the manufacturer. And just so everyone's aware, um, the reason for the whole water method having to be integrated is me spraying a hose doesn't eliminate the dust, the silica dust particles, because the water droplets are larger than the silica particles. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see... So we'll, I'll use a, a demolition site, for example. You have a bunch of excavators, crane, wrecking ball, this kind of stuff, tearing down a building. You see this giant dust cloud. How do they eliminate silica? They have commercial misters everywhere. So these misters are, are creating these water droplets 
that are the same size as the silica particles. So what happens is the silica particles and the water droplets attach, and then the water knocks it to the ground. Mm -hmm. If you use a, a hose or an, another you know, type of water delivery system, the, the water particles are too large, and they don't collect the silica particles, and therefore they just bounce around and stay in the air. So they have to be small, like a commercial mister. Yep. Good stuff, Dylan. Let's talk about the, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about the integrated when it comes to the, the, the water uh, system that's in there. Mm -hmm. How about the integration of, or, you know, tool adapters Yeah. You know, that have come out now? Uh, so I'm convinced that uh, that Hilti and Milwaukee and Bosch and all these uh, equipment <laughs> manufacturers, they were, they were all in cahoots with OSHA <laughs> with this new standard because they got rich. <laughs> I, I know my, you know, these HEPA vacuums are not cheap. They're like five, 10 grand a piece. <laughs> I know my say we bought like 10 of them. We spent like a hundred thousand dollars just in vacuums. Yeah. And then on top of that, when it, when all this first rolled out, there was such a, there was a, a backlog of waiting. Oh, yeah. You, you had to pre-order some of this, these tools and stuff like that. And well, you know, waiting list. everybody waited till the last minute to be in compliance, right? We knew about this, this silica rule for a while, and everybody was hoping that it was either just going to keep getting delayed or get nixed. And whenever they finally put into effect, everybody was like, oh, man, we better hurry up and go get the tools to be in compliance. So, uh, like I was saying, all those tool manufacturers, you know, shout out Hilti, Milwaukee, DeWalt, Bosch, you know, <laughs> if you guys want to sponsor us, we're all about it. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> they're, they're making all kinds of tools. They're making the HEPA vacuums, and they're making tool attachments. So, a, a perfect example of this is uh, drill bits. I, I know Hilti, and I'm assuming the other ones do as well, but Hilti makes hollow drill bits now. So as you're drilling, there's holes in the tip of the bit that allow the dust to come through the bit itself, and then it has a HEPA vacuum attached to it. Mm -hmm. So they have these vacuum attachments. They have these um, drill bits that are hollow. They have all kinds of commercially available dust collection systems, just like OSHA says. Yep. <laughs> which which was pretty neat about the hollow drill bits because yeah i mean lieutenant oates i don't know if you could think of this offhand but when we used to have to put you know anchor bolts and we'd have to drill the hole to drop an anchor bolt oh, yeah, and you keep how would you get down. yeah but how would you get the dust out of the hole you blow it out you blow it out yeah you, you get your air hose straight from the air compressor and just and then dust is everywhere so yeah. to be honest with you we had the hilti rep out and we were doing some stuff with it you can actually drill holes so much faster with these new bits because it doesn't have that that buildup of the dust and stuff mm -hmm. in the hole. You don't have to blow it out. You can it'll just drill right through it so much smoother, so much faster. Yeah. It's fancy stuff, fancy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So again, if you're listening, DeWalt or Milwaukee, whoever, yeah, send yeah. us a tool and we'll uh, we'll put it up on one of our <laughs> on one of our videos here. Uh, and then something else is maintaining these types of tools and attachments. So uh, you can't connect them with duct tape. You can't have broken hoses. You know, you got to use the tool as it was designed from the manufacturer. You can't, you know, rig, rig up your own thing. You know, I'm sure you've seen some crazy things in your day. Yeah. You know, what people, how people make tools work. You know, that doesn't work for this type of system because as soon as you alter the tool or, or equipment it's no longer working as efficiently as it should be yep 
Okay, so we, we had talked about in the uh, in part one of this series, you know, one of the things that we talked about was an, a, an exposure control plan as one of the requirements now. So um, when it comes to this new standard, you know, it's, it's required for the employer uh, to develop and implement this written uh, plan. That we, and that's what we're talking about in the last um, part of this or the first part of this is that there's got to be a comp competent person that is uh, designated to this job uh, to implement this plan and so forth. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, this, this plan is going to break down, you know, the, the specific workplace activities that's, that's going on that involves the silica, uh, provide the method of how we're going to reduce it. So provide a method of some of the things that we just talked about. Um, and it's also... Uh, talks about the engineering controls, you know, the work practices, housekeeping. Again, so all of that stuff that we were just referring to, uh, that all has to be a part of this plan. It can't just be a, you know, hey, uh, hey, Lieutenant Oates, we're going to have you go out there and cut this this concrete up. Make sure you don't create no dust. Uh, you know, we have a vacuum. Yeah. Use it when you can. It has to be a procedure that is written out that has followed, implemented, you know, all, all of that good stuff. Step by step. E even if you're doing everything the right way, it's still a requirement to have a written plan on site showing that, hey, these are my exposures and these are my controls. This is this is how I've been exposed to silica and this is how I'm going to protect my workers. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, 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 Lieutenant Oates, give mm -hmm. us some of those, you know, j just run down. And, and just talk about what what does the plan have to include, just just step by step. Okay, first of all, it has to uh, include the description of a workplace uh, task involving exposures uh, to respirable, respir respirable. I know that's a difficult <laughs> word, man. I, I tried to hurt. Right. The plan must include a description of engineering controls, work practices, and work practices and respiratory protection used uh, to limit employee exposure to respirable crystalline silica for each task. Then the plan must include a description of housekeeping methods used to limit the employee uh, exposure and respirable crystalline silica. Hey, one of these times you're gonna nail it. <laughs> and then the plan must include a description of the procedures used to restrict access to the work areas when necessary to limit the number of employees exposed to the respirable crystalline silica and to the levels which they're exposed, including exposures generated by other employees or self-employed workers. So, so that right there, that last one's a big one. Um, so, for example, I'm going to use concrete finishers uh, as as my example because that's the one I can most likely or uh, most I'm most familiar with. Basically, though, you have these concrete finishers um, grinding concrete to finish it. So they have their they have their uh, grinders. They have their commercially available shrouds and HEPA vacuums to, to eliminate the dust. Um, they ha they're wearing full-face respirators because they're working longer than a four-hour shift. So those are all, all three of those right there were part of table one. So that's how they're, they're working. Um, as they're grinding the concrete and they slightly adjust that, the angle of that grinder, or they, you know, they tilt it just slightly, a dust cloud comes out of that vacuum because it can't catch everything, right? So what happens to the other workers around that worker? So say I'm an electrician working in a panel, you know, 15 feet away from this guy's grinding concrete. He's now exposed, right? Yep. 
he's not doing the task, he's not required to wear the respirator, but he's exposed. So how do you fix that? So something we've personally done in the past is we've created, you know, silica controlled zones. So if the uh, concrete finishers are working in a zone, we basically barricade that area and hang signs saying, hey, this is a restricted access zone. There's silica present. You can't go in here. You can't work here. So goes back to pre-planning, pre-planning that work, you know. Mm-hmm. That's like I said, that pre-planning, that's, that's, imp- that's the, the most, to me, the most important thing of a job, you know what I mean? You got to make sure that the people are going to be all right that's out there in those areas working. Right. You don't, you don't want to schedule two people in the same area at the same time if you know that one's going to expose the other to a hazard. Right. Yep. And I want to bring up some unique scenarios. So, uh, you know, some of these older buildings, uh, the way that their, uh, you know, mechan- mechanical ventilation systems, are, you know, are set up is... Um, and I've seen this, you could have some renovation work going on in one part of a building, maybe on a lower floor or an upper level, and there's a return system for the, for the unit, mm-hmm. and they can actually um, have that dust going into the system now, mm-hmm. and now that silica is being distributed being distributed oh, to the rest everywhere. of the building yeah you know because because i've received calls like that so oh, you know we got dust coming out of the air condition mm-hmm. you know thinking the air condition's on fire or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and it's really it's just that the, the way that older building was set up the return system was just blowing the silica dust right back into the rest of the building so uh you know when we talked about this exposure control plan we talked about uh the description of engineering controls you know so that is a a a part of that engineering control is that you have to make sure that there's no way that this uh, exposure is going to happen to your office workers, mm-hmm. you know, to, yeah. to personnel or individuals that's in another part of the work site. Maybe it's a windy day and they're down downwind from the work that's going on or something like that. So when you're talking about your controls, whether it's, you know, engineer mount or administrative controls, um, you have to make sure that uh, everyone's protected, you know, all yeah. around. Uh, but with that being said, there is a there is an option three. So, you know, we talked about creating your own plan. Mm-hmm. We talked about table one for the construction worker. So, uh, you know, what's option three? What, what's the next option? The worst option available. <laughs> you know, th- this is for, for your workers, it's miserable. But the option is to have everyone wear full face respirators anytime they're exposed. Yeah. And, and, and it, we, we talked about this with in all of our podcasts. Um, you know, there's engineering controls, there's administrative controls, and, you know, we could put training in place. And the last line of defense is always going to be, well, we're just going to throw our employees in, in PPE. You know, we're just going to throw them in half-mass respirators and full-face, fresh air. You know, yeah. we're just going to not spend the money on trying to, you know, figure out how to engineer these controls out. Uh, and that is, a, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but that is option three. You know, yeah. that is an option. But remember, if you go with that option you enter the medical surveillance programs, yep. right? And that's when you have to meet all those types of requirements. So they're all, it's not cost effective in my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah so we're still going to have to do the, you know, you're still going to have to do the fit test. You're still going to have to, you know, do the, the quantitative, the qualitative test, make sure that they're fit for duty, still go through, you know, the licensed uh, healthcare professional, all of that jazz, uh, just because we want to default back to, you know, back to option three. So yeah, and it's a lot of work and a lot of money. So it's it's not always going to be your best option. Most most of the time, it's not going to be your best option. Right. You know, and and, and I would just as we're wrapping this up, I, I would just advise everybody out there look look into your organization and look at some of the 
unique things that you deal with because you, you might not even realize it, but you could be exposing your organization to uh, tasks that involve silica uh, and you not even realize it. Yeah, so some of the simple things I've uh, seen on construction sites or any other uh, workplace is, you know, anytime you go to mix a bag of concrete, mortar, um, you know, stuff like that, when you're dumping that bag into a bucket or into a hopper, you're creating a dust cloud, right? You know, you may think like, oh, I'm mixing it with water. Oh, there's no dust. There's no dust, right? But that initial mixing, the initial dump, that's when they create that dust cloud. So they do make certain things out there. Um, I've seen, it's called a uh, whale tail. Uh, it goes on the top of a bucket. It literally looks just like a whale tail, and it attaches to a vacuum. And so as you're dumping into a bucket, it's sucking all that um, extra dust out of the air. So there are options. Um, maybe you do put your employees in respirators for that portion of the uh, of the mixing process when they initially dump something in and you see that dust cloud. Maybe at that point we have the workers protected. Um, maybe we need to restrict worker access to that area. So if we have an area, you know, a lot of times on sites you see um, brick masons have a setup where, hey, we're doing all of our mortar mix in here. Maybe that's a restricted zone for only the, the certain workers, and it's a silica-controlled zone, and to be in that zone you have to have um, – you have to have a respirator or maybe we even we create a, a barricade we create a tent over that to, to so that that exposure isn't getting to the rest of the job site if you have a tight job site so there's a lot of different options um, and you just think about all the different places and job activities that are exposing employees and make sure we're doing something to eliminate that exposure yeah you know and, and you might even be a, a an organization that's not on the I guess in the major spotlights, maybe you're not the uh, an organization that's involved in demolition of a building or a stadium or something like that, or um, you know maybe you're not in a, uh, in a in a company that's creating you know CMUs or bricks or you know paver stones or you know a, a concrete batch plant or something like that. Maybe you're a smaller residential um, organization that's. Uh, you know, just maybe laying tile down, and, and you got to mix grout, and yeah, and, and that you, your employees are doing that every single day because y'all are building a whole new subdivision or something like yep. that. So even if you're self-employed, and you know you're just doing tile work on the side, you're still exposing yourself. You're you're mm -hmm. you're causing that harm to yourself by not protecting yourself. So no matter what the situation, if you're creating the silica, you know, try to figure out a way to reduce it or eliminate it. Yeah, because like we talked about in, in part one of this series is that once that scar tissue sets in, you know, once you have that silicosis, there forever. Once, it's it. You know, it's it's like bad luggage. It's going to follow you <laughs> everywhere you go. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a good scenario. <laughs> or, uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> so, okay, we talked about the new standard. We talk about, you know, what is silica, the, the new rule, the employee requirements, you know, the exposure control plans, medical surveillance programs. Uh, if you're in construction, you know, we talked about table one, the different methods of, of the integrated uh, wet method systems, the, the vacuum systems, you know, the tool adaptions that are out there. So uh, just go back, listen through it. You know, if, if you're a company that uh, is involved uh, with silica, you know, the exposure to silica, just uh, I would just urge you just to go back, listen to this, listen to it a couple times, take notes. If you ever have any questions, uh, about this or any of our other podcasts or videos, uh, you can reach out to us at hardhat 
uncovered at gmail.com all one word or, or you can even look us up on linkedin i know i've had some people look me up on linkedin or message me you know i check it often so if you have a question especially about this silica stuff shoot me a private message shoot me a public message doesn't matter I'll, I'll more than likely get back to you with an answer if i have it yeah and so you know there's, there's other platforms out there so you know we're on all the podcast platforms so you can reach out to us on anchor um just just reach out to us however you can again if we get enough followers we talked about we're going to give lieutenant oates personal number out that we have to reach <laughs> out to him directly but oh, yeah. But again, you know, we're on all the podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Cast, Google Cast, Spotify, Apple Cast. Uh, be sure to like a, uh, like this video, like this podcast um, if it was something you enjoyed. Uh, reach out to us if there's something you want to want us to talk about. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. Turn on all your notifications. That way you can hear hear the message fresh as we uh, as we put it out on the interweb out there. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, all of it. Just just follow us on all of that stuff. So. And uh, Dylan, why don't you go ahead and uh, uh, just remind everybody of the mission out there. All right, guys. Remember, making a change impacts me, making a difference impacts others, and making history impacts the world. All right. Remember, we are coming to you from the Hard Hat Uncovered Studios in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. And uh, until next time, Lieutenant Oates, Mr. Hipple. All right, guys. Catch you next time. All right. Y'all be safe out there. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hard Hat Uncovered. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube at Hard Hat Uncovered.